Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Campsite Media. How's it going? Outstanding, how are you? Great. Very nice to meet you. Meet you. I don't usually get in uh, black jeeps with the men I just met, but... <laughs> Hey, I'm not gay, but 10 bucks is 10 bucks, right? <laughs> Looks like we're off to a good start already. So, yeah. you want to see my reservation? Absolutely. Yep. Earlier this year, yeah, I, mean, I, I drove up to upstate New York to meet a man we're calling Danny. He's a retired New York State police officer who agreed to show me around the Aguasasne Mohawk Territory. He asked to be anonymous because he still investigates and testifies on cases in the area. And, um, should we get rolling? Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. Danny's a longtime trooper who spent 12 years working in this part of New York, just by the Canadian border. And back in the day, a big part of Danny's job was patrolling the Aguasasne territory. They called it res duty. What was the reaction of uh, most rookie cops that had their first year on res duty? Deer uh, in the headlights. When we would first take them, take them down there, they just, they couldn't believe, they go, well, can they do that? And we'd go, yeah, yeah, it's the res. For most cops, res duty felt like frat house hazing. But Danny loved it. Early 80s to late 80s, it was, it was the Wild West. It was nothing back then to have 2530, yes, 2530 pursuits in a night. And you're doing 100, 110 and the car you're pursuing is throwing beer bottles at you. And it wasn't their first rodeo. They don't throw them straight back. No, no, no. They throw them up in the air. So they land in front of you. 
but uh, yeah, lost a few windshields, but uh, it was just a crazy time, crazy time. Someone nicknamed them Res Rockets because their cars would fucking fly. Aside from car chases and beer bottles, this was a turbulent time in Aguasasne. Angry residents who believed that the native police were siding with the federal government demanded that the police disband and leave the reservation. And in the years that followed, that security void was filled by folks who had money, and more importantly, had weapons. What would this entrance have looked like 30 years ago? Blocked with uh, tires stacked five or six deep, 10 high. At night, they'd have bonfires, and they're all standing around it. The natives with the, their faces covered with masks, uh, carrying assault weapons, uh, shotguns. And they had actual shifts uh, that people were assigned to roadblocks, and they had roving patrols. Danny isn't native, and he's a law enforcement officer, so he doesn't really provide the definitive perspective of Aguasasne. But the picture he paints of the place is compelling nonetheless, and shows just how tense things were back then. He was forced to work undercover because of the hostility that state police faced. I mean, we didn't have, you know, the fancy lighting these spoiled punks have today. You had fucking burn barrels. And uh, it was, it was medieval. And uh, here you go up to the burn barrels and you got guys standing there with cowboy hats and shotguns and smoking big cigars. And... Did you feel like you were in a movie back then? It could have been. It absolutely could have been. If that movie ever got made, there's no doubt what the opening shots would be. A gigantic warehouse-looking building on the corner of a main road here in Aguasasne. Today, it's totally abandoned and boarded up. But 30 years ago, this was a casino. And in the summer of 1989, it was the scene of one of the most dramatic events of Aguasasne's history. The casino was full of gamblers and security guards. The parking lot was full of protesters who wanted to shut it all down, and a cavalry of police cars were on their way. It was a classic Mexican standoff. And when we got to the casino, there was probably, I don't know, maybe eight, 10 troop cars, probably 20, 30 troopers, officers, investigators. We were met with two Modus 50 caliber machine guns on the roof of that casino. From Campside Media and Dan Patrick Productions, this is Running Smoke. I'm Rajiv Gola, and this is Episode 7, Civil War. When Derek turned himself into the police, he knew then and there that he was going to fight this case all the way to the end. Whether it was bankruptcy, jail time, or victory, Derek was all in. And now he was appealing his case on a constitutional basis. This was the first time a tobacco case had come this far. In every other instance, the case would languish in appeals for years before being dismissed by a judge. It seemed like Canada wasn't interested in addressing the issue head-on. But this time was different. The judge had agreed to hear the case, and the stage was set for a landmark decision. But it's exactly because the stakes were so high that the Mohawk Nation had asked Derek and Hunter to drop their case. 
The risk of losing was too great, and they'd already seen what could happen when things went wrong. They were concerned that we're using these agreements that were made as a defense, which is true. Hunter Montour, Derek's co-accused. And they were worried that if we lose, that it's going to affect the Mohawk Nation. I said, well, what the hell's the point of having these tools if we can't use them? When are you going to use them? Well, there's another time for this. When? This is the time. Right now is the time. So don't be dumbass. Oh, well, we know we shouldn't do this right now. Uh, you should just uh, roll over and take it. Not me. I have every right to use these laws or whatever you want to, however you want to phrase it, agreements that were made that are binding. So why can I use this to defend myself? If I can't use it, what the hell good is it? And when are you going to use it? I don't see any of you fighting for land or, or, or pushing for more rights. I don't see it. I've dedicated myself to whatever I could to help our nation. And I should be able to use my, what I'm fighting for to help myself to get out of whatever this stupid-ass predicament I'm in. That's what we do this for. The MNCC is basically stating that I'm using my rights because of a, a criminal activity, which is not criminal activity. In the eyes of the government, it's criminal activity. But for us here, it's just our, our um, how do you put it? It's what we've grown up to, to do. I mean, there's not much left. I mean, they stole all our land. Um, they have highways coming through our reserve at all ends. I mean, we have to benefit from it somehow. I mean, we have the gas stations and we have cigarettes. So that's what they get for stealing our land. The question at the heart of Derek's case boiled down to this. Do rights belong to an individual or do they belong to a community? Derek argued that the rights belong to individuals. Mohawks had a right to trade tax-free, and he had just as much claim to that right as any other Mohawk. But the Council of Chiefs, well, they believed that right belonged to the community and community institutions. The way they saw it, Derek had done his business without the permission of the Mohawk government. So it wasn't appropriate for him to claim Mohawk rights now that he was in trouble. It's a debate over what sovereignty actually means. And it's one that nearly tore apart one Mohawk territory decades ago. To understand why it's such a difficult question, we have to go back to the 1970s, to the birth of the modern Native rights movement. We'll get into all that right after the break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. (sighs) Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This was the era when groups like AIM, the American Indian Movement, put native rights on the map and staged radical protests, like reclaiming Wounded Knee from corrupt leaders. Either we force the federal government to kill us all, or else they come out and they negotiate and meet our demands. They occupied Alcatraz and demanded its return to Native people. The early morning peacefulness of Fisherman's Wharf was shattered suddenly by the rhythmic beat of Indian tom-toms. And they even took over the Bureau of Indian Affairs in D.C. after a cross-country march they called the Trail of Broken Treaties. The Indians came from everywhere and they came with a purpose. About time we started doing something. I think this is a test to see how the government can uphold the law. Native Americans were developing a radical political consciousness. And sovereignty became the political project of the moment. Sovereignty meant writing your own rules, standing on your own two feet, and not letting anyone else tell you otherwise. An important part of that fight for self-determination was economic. But not everyone agreed on exactly how to build up that economy. It became an especially contentious issue once some Native communities started experimenting with gambling and tax-free tobacco. It was a sort of legal gray area that would soon become a battleground. Doug George Canendio is a prominent Mohawk journalist and advocate who lives outside of Aguasasne. Back in the day, he reported on how these new ideas were changing his community. I was involved with this uh, issue when it first came to our attention in 1984 when individuals from our sister community of Ganawage approached us and asked if they could secure a license to transport tobacco products across the international border. And they wanted to do this in order to form a new economy, um, to introduce uh, wealth into uh, our, our communities. Tobacco was risk-free, had high profit margins, and a constant demand. It seemed like a golden ticket. But Doug George and the traditional leadership council he sat on 
weren't fully convinced. That council was concerned that tobacco, uh, something that's extremely sacred to the Mohawk people, should become a commodity. Uh, And they knew that there would be serious ramifications. You know, our elders told us, they, they warned us, don't do this. And we thought we could control it. We were wrong. Pretty quickly, the tobacco industry swept through the Mohawk territories before the nation council could make a decision. The handful of the native entrepreneurs who got into the cigarette game early on became massively wealthy in a short amount of time. And Doug George was afraid of the implications of that sort of wealth gap. Unless we had firm control of this, these individuals were going to grow very powerful. They were going to do something that was fairly alien to our Mohawk way of life in that they were going to create a handful of very rich people who were then going to turn around and use their wealth to manipulate the community uh, uh, towards their own ends. Ours is not a community that is given to capitalism. You know, we were a people who developed a system by which all of us could prosper and we were adamantly uh, opposed to the rise of a wealthy elite who would then dictate uh, how that society would be to the rest of us. That, that's something that is so alien to, to Mohawk tradition. Tobacco money started pouring into other lucrative gray markets, like casinos and bingo halls. Even though gambling was illegal elsewhere in Canada and the U.S., the smugglers and casino owners claimed that the reserves were sovereign territory. Federal laws didn't apply. Tobacco and gambling were controversial issues within the territory, but they were symbols for an even bigger set of questions. These people are using that and, and saying, I am sovereign, therefore I got a right to do whatever I want on my sovereign territory. Well, it's not your territory. You aren't sovereign. You're not. <laughs> Sovereignty belongs to the collective. And we fought. Uh, great battles uh, as as Mohawks and as natives to, in order to secure a certain uh, level of, of self-control and self-determination. But these guys were undermining that. They espoused all of this rhetoric about helping the nation and the people and, you know, upholding traditional values, but they were destroying the very thing that they were claiming to try to uh, strengthen. You know, they were destroying the idea of a, uh, of a stable central government. They were undermining the authority of traditional law. They were violating um, our customs and our culture. This was the battleground on which the Mohawk Civil War would play out. Anti-tobacco and anti-gambling advocates on one side, trying to preserve their traditions against an influx of money earned off of vice and exploitation. These were known as the Antis. On the other side were the casino and tobacco supporters, tired of playing by the old rules. Gambling and cigarettes offered a way out, offered a way to build an economy. Why should they sit out while everyone else moves ahead? How did the Antis see rights differently than you see rights? They don't mind being in the armpit of the United States government. Loran Thompson was a traditional leader in Aguasasane back in the 1980s. He had a reputation as a fierce and wily defender who would take radical action to protect the community. Once, when loggers tried to cut down trees to establish a border around Aguasasane, Loran confiscated their machinery and kicked off a months-long standoff with government officials. 
Loran believed that tobacco and gambling offered massive potential for Mohawks to lift themselves up. Sure, it wasn't exactly clean or noble money, but he felt that was a reasonable cost to achieve true economic independence. He clashed with others in the community and ultimately lost his leadership position for trying to bring a casino to the reserve. He felt that the Antis were holding the community back. They don't mind their treaties being secondary to the United States law and court decisions. They don't mind that. In other words, they accept being American citizens. Okay. Where's the the hardcore traditional people will stand up and fight for their rights in their own land just as the settlers will stand up, grab a gun and fight for their freedom. See, that's how we fight. We we stand as equals to the government of the United States, the people of the United States, but it created a problem because there was so much money being made that a lot of the community wanted a part of it because they were starting to say, you're using my rights to, to do this, right? So, so there was all kinds of conversations going on at that time, and that what created a difference of opinion all over the place. And from there, it just kept growing. And then all of a sudden, there was um, uh, protests from the longhouse people, people we thought we were on that were on our side. So they did the the protests, and then it came to the point where they shut off the they closed off the toll gate where the buses were coming through. So that put a halt to the major part of the casino. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indul- your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. You're listening to Run and Smoke from Campside Media. By the late 1980s, tensions between the antis and the tobacco gambling crowd were growing intense. Cigarettes were coming in by the semi-truck load, and streets were backed up with tour buses full of Americans and Canadians coming in to gamble at the casinos. Money was flowing into the reserve like never before. Buildings were going up, roads were being paved, and smoke shacks were popping up like mushrooms after a rain. And just as Doug George had predicted, a new class of wealthy elites was turning the old way of life in Aguasasne upside down. The casinos had become incredibly contentious on the reservation, and Tony's Vegas International was at the center of the debate. There was a federal ban on gambling, but the owner of the casino, Tony Laughing, said that didn't apply in Aguasasne. It was his right as a Mohawk citizen. State police begged to differ. What uh, ignited, really, the issue in 90 was Tony was running an illegal casino out of there. At the time, in New York State, it was illegal to run an illegal casino. Go figure. So we had undercover officers go into the casino, and he had, I don't know, 100, 125 slot machines. Well, that was illegal. So state police put a detail together to raid the casino. And somehow, the natives were apprised of the oncoming raid. Armed Mohawks and casino security were standing by, ready to defend the casino. We were met with two Modus 50 caliber machine guns on the roof of that casino. That's an impressive sight when you're sitting there with a 357 Magnum and a 12 gauge shotgun. So discretion being the better part of valor, we left. And as soon as we left, that's when the roadblocks went up and the fun really started. Once the police left the scene, anti-gambling protesters realized that they were on their own. And in the spring of 1990, they decided to fight this battle themselves. A group of people said enough, and they decided that they were going to stop a lot of these uh, large buses that were coming onto reservation every day and to patronize the casinos, and so they formed a roadblock. They said, holy cow, that they had actually done this. And the people at the roadblocks were well aware that uh, they did this at high risk. That risk came from the fact that, at the time, there were no state or Mohawk cops operating on the reserve. They'd been kicked out years earlier in a different set of protests. The only policing force in Aguasasne now 
was the Mohawk Sovereignty Security Force, otherwise known as the Mohawk Warriors. The Warrior Society had been around for decades, and in the early days, it was simply a revival of older customs. It was a society for young men who wanted to fulfill traditional roles. Their symbol was the flag of a Mohawk warrior head on a red background. It was the same flag that Derek had painted on the hood of his race car. Warrior Handbook was really about the role of the men. And um, it, it channeled that energy, and it put it, in, to me, in, in, in a good way. That, that it gave the men direction in what to do. Kenneth Deere was a spokesperson for the Mohawk Nation during these years, and he saw how the warriors in Aguasasne were getting drawn into a political battle. It wasn't a criminal organization. It wasn't supposed to be a criminal organization. You know, It was supposed to be a way to teach the men their responsibilities in, within tradition. You know. And uh, some, unfortunately, some people used it like a gang. And, and, and uh, I can't support that. When anti-gambling protesters set up roadblocks in the spring of 1990, they knew that they'd be up against the Mohawk warriors. And uh, there was going to be a reaction in the Mohawk Sovereignty Security Force, which was supposed to provide a protection for the community, showed where their real allegiance lied in that they became um, deeply involved with the casino group and tried to break the roadblocks in order to resume the uh, smuggling and resume the um, casino gambling. And these guys were lazy. They weren't trained. They didn't have the discipline. They didn't have the psychological background, the spiritual background. Uh, they didn't know how to control their weapons. <laughs> they would ride around in, 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 in these souped-up cars and trucks and RVs, uh, not RVs, but SUVs, and, and with, with these weapons whose only purpose was to kill other human beings. And they were fueled by alcohol and drugs. And they were employed as goon squads by the uh, cigarette smugglers who had now become the casino owners. They had nothing of the virtues of a real Mohawk, uh, if you want to call it, warrior. The roadblocks were an escalation in the war between antis and casino owners. Each side was dug in, accusing the other of collaborating with the federal government, of corrupting the community. Mohawk warriors would drive around the reservation in pickup trucks with automatic weapons and military fatigues. They manned checkpoints at the border of the reserve and became a vigilante force. They had become a flashpoint in this conflict. Their supporters saw them as defenders of the community, but to the Antis, they were a marauding gang serving the smugglers. Tensions rose every day and violence was becoming a regular part of life in Aguasasne. Arson, vandalism, beatings and shootings, even a grenade attack. It was, uh... You know, automatic gunfire, all sorts of things going on there that people across the river in Ontario would come out on their porch and listen to and say, what in the world is going on over there? But it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a combat situation. Eventually, two people were killed in the crossfire. Other Mohawk nations, which had done their best to stay out of Aguasasne, now had little option but to intervene. Kenneth Deere, a traditional leader in Ganawage, was sent to Aguasasne to see what could be done about bringing both sides back together. You know, we, we tried our best to stay out of the, uh, you know, the casino war over there. We were trying to be pulled in, into that. And uh, our guys went there and, and, and looked at what's going on, and they came back and said, stay out of there. <laughs> he says, there's no, there, you, there's no middle ground over there. Either you're for or you're against. The situation in Argonne was so bad that uh, if you weren't for them, you were against them. 
If you want to build an economy, that's fine. And it should be also be a collective, you know. But uh, when the collective didn't agree with the, what was going on, uh, then it became in, uh, an individual uh, uh, issue. It's hard to uh, to make peace when there's no middle ground. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's why, you know, it ended up with two people being dead. Yeah. It's, it's, it was unfortunate, you yeah. But then came the Oka crisis. You can hear firing. I'm not sure if it's weapons or if it's... Uh, yes, it is. They're firing at us. Good evening. It was a bloody day at the Mohawk Indian community in Oka, Quebec, near Montreal. Provincial police in riot gear stormed the barricades the Mohawks had As set up. Here, there's semi-automatic weapon fire. And now, is this police firing or Mohawk firing? Appears to be coming from the police lines. Yeah. The Quebec Police Force SWAT team moved in at dawn. And if ever a police operation was to go okay. tragically wrong, it was this one. What kind of people are you? There's children here and you're shooting tear gas at us. We're, not, we're unarmed and you're aiming your weapons at us. What kind of people are you? Police used gas, then bullets, but they weren't prepared for what met them. Dozens of heavily armed Mohawk men determined to hold what they say is their sacred ground. There were clouds of tear gas, a hail of bullets, and in the midst of the battle, a policeman was killed. All this because of a dispute over a piece of forest the Indians claim is theirs. A forest town council wants to bulldoze to expand the local golf course. Back in 1990, the mayor of a small village near Montreal, called Oka, was pushing a plan to develop a condominium complex and expand a golf course on the outskirts of town. But that land belonged to the Ganastage Mohawk territory and served as a cemetery for the community. The protests that followed made international headlines and turned into a three-month-long standoff between armed Mohawk warriors and the Canadian military. This, this golf course, that, that's what's killing our people. These people here who don't give a shit about anybody's rights. On the, on, on, no Indian has a right on this, on this land. Well, that's got to change. It's Mohawk land. It's our land. After the police retreated, the warriors celebrated, but it didn't last long. Tonight, the barricade is completely surrounded by the Canadian Army. The soldiers have dug themselves in after a day of high tension and drama. The images from the front lines were iconic. Overturned cars, barricades made out of burning tires and trees, men dressed in camouflage fatigues with bandanas over their faces and AK-47s on their backs all standing against Canadian soldiers in tanks and Humvees. Again today, Native leaders in Ottawa demanded the federal government do something about the confrontation in Oka. But the government did Warriors were nearing hysteria at the sight of soldiers near their tribal cemetery. The Indians at Oka have said they won't abandon their barricades until they get what they want. After such a sudden, violent beginning, this could turn out to be a long standoff. And there's also trouble on the Kahnawake Reserve, south of Montreal, a sympathy blockade. Indigenous territory across the continent took part in the protests. Leaders in Ganawage made the decision to shut down the Mercier Bridge, one of the major highways that links Montreal with towns across the St. Lawrence River. In the end, the protests were successful and the golf course was never expanded. Everything calmed down after 90 because that was one. You know, it went into the court system and all of that stuff, but, but it was one. Our people were known all over the place for defending and so on and so forth. Maybe we didn't win in court, or maybe some people lost in court, but overall we won. We won there. And then gambling and cigarettes just... It didn't seem like the biggest issue anymore. The victory at Oka was hard won, and months of protest had changed the perspective of many people in Mohawk territories. 
1990, of course, uh, was a big traumatic uh, issue, but also it was an enlightenment to a lot of people. They realized uh, those people, a lot of people who were against cigarettes, uh, all of a sudden were surrounded by the by the uh, SQ and the army. <laughs> And there's more important things than cigarettes. <laughs> and so when the crisis was over, I, I thought cigarettes would be dead. And it, it struggled for a little while, but then it just boomed. And you saw a whole lot of people who were against cigarettes who were now right in there because they felt that why be against cigarettes? They felt that um, it didn't matter anymore. You know? If the government wants to treat us that way, then, that, then I have no problem with getting involved in cigarettes. It was, it's a change. The attitude towards cigarettes was like night and day. Uh, from 1989 to 1991, it was like night and day. Aguasasne's internal conflict had cooled down completely. But it left the debate over individual and collective rights unresolved. Danny, the cop we met at the top of the episode, saw the entire evolution of the conflict and how radically the smoke shops and casinos changed Aguasasne over the following decades. I think the biggest lesson in my mind that the people down here learned from 90 was uh, blockade cuts their own throat as well. Uh, nothing was moving. Um, you couldn't smuggle anything out because the state police had patrols at every exit. Just to, I mean, it was kind of like a stare down with the, the Mohawk. And so the smuggling went downhill. Uh, there was no civilian traffic. And back then, they depended tremendously on uh, sales from non-natives for cigarettes, tobacco, gasoline. And that was just, just like somebody threw a switch. And so economically, it was a disaster for the people down here. And I think that comes into play at why it's been so calm for so many years. So interesting to hear you say that those things, like the casinos, the gas station, and uh, tobacco is what improved life. Because in a lot of the books that get written about the Mohawk Civil War and stuff, it's always the cops and the antis standing together against the warriors. And the antis didn't like any of what they were seeing with these new, new businesses, right? So I guess I just didn't expect law enforcement to take the side that cigarettes, gambling, gas stations were actually helping the community. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's fair to classify it as taking sides, but possibly just being realistic. I don't think the gambling has been detrimental to the reservation in the way the antis thought it was going to be. I know they pictured, you know, crack on the corner, uh, hookers every five feet, um, you know, Tony Soprano sitting in the lobby. But I don't think that has come to fruition at all. And since the gas stations came in, then the tobacco, and then the casino, um, the quality of life really has improved tremendously down there on the reserve. I mean, it it provides opportunity. I mean, it's, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Which brings us back to the present day and to the case that Derek is fighting against the Canadian government. Well, to be more precise, the conflict between Derek and the Mohawk Nation Council of Chiefs, which is trying to get him to drop his case. 
Derek is claiming that as a Mohawk, he has the right to conduct his business tax-free. But the Council of Chiefs is claiming that Derek was not acting with the permission or authority of the Mohawk Nation. So therefore, he can't claim native rights. It's the same question that was at the heart of the Aguasasne conflict. Do rights belong to the individual or do they belong to the community? Kenneth Deer believes that those rights are vested in the community and that Derek's case could do more harm than good. What is the risk of presenting a case uh, of collective rights as individual rights? Because the, the judges could decide that, that uh, a very bad judgment against them could affect all of all the Mohawks. You know? The judgment could say that the Mohawks do not have the collective right to transport uh, cigarettes over the border. And, and that would be you know, disastrous you know, if, if a judgment said that. And um, particularly since the collective didn't make the argument. So if an individual uh, makes that argument and loses, it, it, we, we all lose. If they, if they think they found me guilty, well, you know what? The whole nation's going to suffer from this. I shouldn't be fighting this. It's, it's the whole nation. It's the whole community of everywhere. Every community in Canada and the United States, basically, it's their fight. It's not mine, but I'm the only one that is bringing it to Supreme Court and fighting this. It was plain to see that Derek was not going to drop his case. He was going to fight it all the way to the end, come hell or high water. The Council of Chiefs had no choice but to take things further. They were going to do something that they'd never done before. They demanded that the court allow them to intervene in the case against Derek. The judge agreed. Coming up next time on Running Smoke. I I have to say the Nation Council's involvement in the case right from the start was damage control. It was how do we minimize the potential damage that that this, this court could do. Not our court, not our judge, not our law. Running Smoke is a production of Campside Media, Dan Patrick Productions, and Workhouse Media. The series was written and reported by me, Rajiv Gola. Our producers are Aaliyah Papes, Lane Gerbig, and Julie Denishay. Our editors are Michelle Lands and Emily Martinez. Sound design and original music by Mark McAdam. Additional sound and mixing by Ewan Lai Tremuin. Additional reporting by Susie McCarthy. Our executive producers are Dan Patrick, Josh Dean of Campside Media, Paul Anderson, Nick Pinella, and Andrew Greenwood for Workhouse Media. Fact-checking by Mary Mathis and Angeli Mercado. Artwork by Polly Adams. And additional thanks to Greg Horn, Johnny Kaufman, Sierra Franco, Elizabeth Van Brocklin, and Sean Flynn. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.